0: as a leader you should always be thinking about what it is you're leaving behind the projects for sure you know they're there but what you really are leaving behind is the people and the capacity to continue to deliver on that vision and those networks and bonds that are are growing are bigger than for sure me and that makes makes me most proud and confident that but the fundamentals are there there's people that are embracing that and will carry it forward so That, in a long, rambly way, is probably the two things that I'm most proud about when I look back over the last six and a half years.
1: After more than 6 years leading the organization, I'm sad to say Steve McDonald is retiring and stepping down from his position as Chief Executive Officer for Emissions Reduction Alberta. Steve joined ERA in 2015 after a long and storied career in Alberta's civil service. He's been instrumental in positioning ERA as both a leader and a team player in the Canadian innovation system. In the six plus years he's been our CEO, just to rattle off the big flashy numbers, Steve has guided over $600 million in investment to more than 125 projects. Projects that are already reducing greenhouse gas emissions and creating competitive industries here in Alberta. But these numbers, as impressive as they are, only tell half the story. The rest, as Steve explains in our conversation, and as anyone who's worked with him knows, is all about the people. About building up that network of folks. Folks who work at and with ERA. Folks who are driven to realize the same mission we are. Innovation in service of sustainability. People make it happen. And people keep it going. So we talked about that a legacy of people and projects, and about what's next. We're all going to miss Steve, and it was a pleasure to have this last chat with him. Here it is on Carbon Copy. Good morning, Steve. Thanks for joining me. So, here you are, rounding out more than six years as the CEO of Emissions Reduction Alberta. How do you feel? (laughs) Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know,
0: I've always had an exit strategy when I first took this job. I had a plan to make sure it wasn't sort of a, a long run. Um, I've been here longer than I thought because it was such an outstanding job. So it's a bit of mixed feelings. One is, yeah, it's, it's time to go on. All CEOs have their best before date and you need to know that and allow the, the organization to change and grow without your grip on it um but uh you know it's been such an amazing job with working with great people and making a difference that uh, uh i've really enjoyed it and uh, i will look back with great fondness on the people and the work we've done so it's one of those times where you know excited about what the future will bring um privileged about what the past has uh, given me and uh just trying to digest it and then come next week when I wake up and I'm retired, uh, I'm sure that I'll continue to have mixed feelings for a while.
1: So let's think back on your first day or even the days leading up to your first day as CEO of the organization. What was on your mind at that time and what, what did you want to accomplish coming in to lead the organization? Yeah, I... I spent uh, a number of years
0: in government before I took on this role and had a number of challenging files. So really when I contemplated joining the team, it was really about how can I move into a place that's um, purpose-built to be solutions-focused, and that's what was so cool about ERA. It wasn't sort of a vague mandate with uh, vague outcomes. It was really very, very specific about what it was designed to do. And uh, so that was very appealing to me. You know, and I wanted to continue to make a difference. And uh, this organization uh, seemed like it was going to be that platform. It uh, had already achieved great things. I sure can't take credit for all the good work that happened before me that we built on. Um, But I really saw it as an opportunity, given the change in design of the organization from being a virtual organization to be more Um, traditional, uh, gave me a chance to sort of put my fingerprints over it in terms of the vision, the mandate, put together a team. You know, in those first days, it was as (laughs) some of the early thoughts were, where am I going to sit? You know, because before COVID, having an office was important. So even something as fundamental in that, but it really was an opportunity to continue in sort of that public service, making a difference, and
1: uh, it delivered on all those fronts. We've sure come a long way. So if you think about what's happened around us since then, how has the innovation system changed? Yeah, you know, I I think it's um, become sort of the
0: key engine of economic, environmental, and social transformation. You know, it was always there, but I think the world sees innovation as the solution to many of the complex problems we're facing Um, and I would say because of that the system has changed in terms of the amount of money available public money and private money Uh, I think it's changed in terms of the alignment we've learned certainly with ERA and our partners that we need to work together to be clear on roles and responsibilities to have shared outcomes and be clear where the handoffs are Um, I think there's been a lot of good work in terms of setting priorities, strategic plans that are um, based on innovation as one of the levers to achieve the outcomes, so I think that's great. Um, I think the other thing about innovation, especially in the space that we operate around, sustainability, is that the innovation isn't sort of driven by some regulatory or government imperative. It's being driven by... Investors, industries, and customers demanding better outcomes, and so it's clear that solution lies in the innovation space. So, you know, I think there's been a lot of acceleration, uh, a lot more capacity, and added, and um, I, I think some clear expectations of what are the outcomes we hope to achieve through innovation.
1: That's a really good news story. Now, I'm curious if you can share with us maybe some of the struggles you've had um and obstacles you've had to overcome at the helm of era yeah there's you know really it has
0: been a struggle you know it's uh we're a nimble organization with uh talented people that are focused on solutions not sort of on agonizing over the problems um i think building that credibility has been one of those um, opportunities that we faced uh You know, there was a bit of a reputation that early-stage ERA wasn't as connected to industry and governments and innovators as it should have been in terms of setting priorities, making choices. And I think we needed to um, reconnect, build stronger bridges, communicate better, um, engage more often. And I think we did that very well. I think being um, clear on where we need to play, what our portfolio mix should look like, was another opportunity that we had to pursue and make sure that we had that compelling narrative for ourselves about what we're trying to do and how we're going to do it. Money funding is a a perennial problem, and and it's not so much about the amount of money. Uh, We've been very successful in demonstrating our value to government, and they've provided us with significant funds. But it's more about the um, certainty and uh, long range planning that we need around funding that rather than sort of we understand what we're getting three months before we get it to actually have a three year funded business plan, I think would be in a success that we didn't quite achieve. Uh, again, I think we've been very successful in the amount of funding, but more predictability there. Um, and I think, you know, making sure that um, we've been adaptable and continuously improve our processes and our outcomes and our people, to be candid with you, uh, that's been, again, a real opportunity and one we've risen to. We we haven't rested on our laurels. You know, I think we had a great reputation, did good work, got good outcomes, but we always recognized that there was an opportunity to do better. And we did that consistently. And it was sort of, not sort of, it's hardwired in, in the ERA culture, the... We fund innovators and we're innovative in terms of how we design and deliver programs and services. Um, I think the other thing is, you know, as you grow as an organization, there's all kinds of pressures in terms of the people side. You know, how do you attract good people, retain them. We've done a lot of work in sort of creating an organization that has, you know, a solid uh, compensation plan, you know, office space. Um all those pieces that uh good employees demand and so that's been a a real opportunity to grow and develop in that space so i'd say those are the the major things and you know we've been gifted with a sophisticated thoughtful respectful board and often organizations that are board governed that's that's a challenge sort of aligning yourself with the board and making sure they're adding value and their nose in and fingers out, and the, our board has been outstanding that way. Um, and I think industry and others have stepped up, so the uh, the upsides have been far greater than any sort of um, bumps in the road. Um, but like any organization, there's been growing pains, and but I think we've met them all, and we're better and stronger because of uh, how successful we've been.
1: So is there anything that stands out in terms of what you learned from those challenges. Did you ever need to pivot or take a detour when charting the course for the organization?
0: Yeah, you know, we we had a pretty compelling vision or we have a pretty compelling vision and you can always use that as your North Star. So I I don't think there's been a need to fundamentally pivot. Uh, You know, our mandate and the gap we're trying to fill has remained over the six years I've been here and we've worked hard to close it. You know, but as I said, in terms of continuous improvement, we have made changes to ensure that we're maximizing our value. And COVID would be a good example where, you know, innovation requires uh, us and the innovators to put lots of pieces in place in terms of supply chains, um, sites, uh, a whole bunch of different pieces. And COVID blew that all up. It, It created uncertainty and... So we paused and said, what is it about our funding that can be helpful in this situation? What is it about our contribution agreements that is designed in a period that didn't include a lockdown of the economy and, and broken supply chains and uncertainty in terms of the you know, availability of employees? And we went through things and, and we adapted there. We, we pivoted in the sense of the rules uh, were designed for a different time and place. We needed to make sure that our, we were helping our innovators get across the finish line, uh, free up funding for them so they could maintain their operations and come out stronger after the, all the sanctions and, uh, different conditions were lifted under COVID. And, And to me, that was, a an example of a pivot. The other thing would be when the government decided that uh, they didn't want a separate organization to, to deliver sort of energy efficiency program, and they turned to us to help design and deliver energy efficiency programs focused on small business. Uh, that was a, a pivot of sorts because it, it required us to pause and reflect, how do we get into a business line that's not traditional? We're very much in the past, we're project-based, uh, we didn't run programs. We had we looked at a pre-commercial stage. And when we got into the Energy Savings for Business program and were able to uh, attract some really strong staff from the old Energy Efficiency Alberta, we learned a lot from them. And, and we used our expertise to actually design and deliver something that was different for us. And I think it's been very successful. Um, and I think the other important thing that, came out of that was we were able to make the case about the importance of energy efficiency it's the low-hanging fruit it's not all about innovation and pre-commercial big technology projects just doing the same thing better and being more productive is a huge opportunity for the world in alberta to improve its carbon and cost competitiveness and so we've learned a lot about that the board clearly sees that need, and and by delivering a program in such a successful manner, cost effectively, getting real results, I think we've demonstrated to governments and the public that this is a legitimate space for public investment, and we can provide it in a cost-effective and um, market-based model, and so that, that to me is another really solid example of us pivoting. Emissions Reduction Alberta takes action on climate change and supports economic growth. Our funding helps existing and new industries in Alberta reduce GHG emissions while lowering costs, attracting investment, and creating jobs. That's why we've invested more than $815 million into 230 projects valued at $6.5 billion. To learn more about Emissions Reduction Alberta, visit eralberta.ca.
1: You talked about the upside outweighing the bumps in the road. Clearly, there's lots to be proud of. What would you say makes you the most proud, thinking about the legacy of your tenure here? You
0: know, people often ask me, you know, what's my favorite project? And I'd probably start there. Uh, It's sort of like asking, you know, who's your favorite kid? There's elements of them all I like, and... uh, you know, I'm really proud of our portfolio approach and the, and the range of projects we we have. Um, you know, it cr- they cross all sectors. We're certainly not focused on just oil and gas because the solutions that oil and gas is searching for are the same solutions that agriculture, the electricity sector, and all the large industrial processes are looking for. So I'm, I'm really proud that we were able to ensure that... Um, We were searching the market for the right technologies as opposed to we need a solution for methane or we need a solution. It's about technology, not the sector. Um, The other thing is, you know, uh, um, it's the people piece that's so important. You know, I've been very fortunate throughout my career to attract smart, motivated people, uh, people that are... um, driven to achieve good results that are respectful, that are kind. And uh, within ERA, I was able to do that once again. And uh, it's it's uh, I'm always humbled by that. And not just our staff. I think we were able to create um, trusting, um, positive relationships with uh, elected officials, even through changes in government and leadership. Um, I, I think we're in terms of the civil, the Alberta Civil Service and the Federal Civil Service, um, they, they recognize that we're focused on the outcomes. We're not trying to build an empire. We listen to their advice. We demonstrate value. And as I always say, whenever I meet with them, I'm there to help them solve their problems. I don't want to go there with a complaint to say, here's my problem, please fix it. And I think they see that and respect that. And that's allowed us to become a trusted advisor and to punch beyond our weight in a whole bunch of areas that are important for the file that we're focused on. You know, I'm also incredibly proud of our relationship with industry. Um, We make it clear to them that we're here to solve their problems. We're not here to tell them what the solutions are. We engage with them in a sincere way where we're listening for their advice and suggestions on where we should be, um, directing our funds, uh, the design of our, our programs in terms of timelines, uh, the nature of our contracts. So very much they've seen us hopefully over the last six years being responsive and focused on the problems that they wanna solve. Cause that's our raison d'etre for sure is that we're, we're trying to develop solutions where there's a customer and a problem that industry needs help uh, solving. And I think we've done a good job on the people side around innovators. You know we've always had an open door policy lots of people I've met over the years have exciting passionate ideas about how they're going to solve the the challenges of whatever sector around greenhouse gases and it's fascinating just to see the brilliance the passion uh, the commitment uh, from the innovator community and I think that's been really important for us to be um, successful is that we've created that network of um, stakeholders, shareholders, partners, whatever you want to call them to deliver the kind of outcomes. So, you know, the, the projects for sure, cause it be, we can't uh, identify and fund and help accelerate projects. We're not being successful, but it really is about the people that's been uh, the greatest gift. And you know, as a, as a leader you should always be thinking about what it is you're leaving behind. The projects, for sure, you know, they're there. But what you really are leaving behind is the people and the capacity to continue to deliver on that vision. Um, and those networks and bonds that are, are growing are bigger than, for sure, me. And uh, that makes, makes me most proud and confident that, um, back to your first question, Mark, about uh, how am I feeling, the time is right because those pieces are in place. They'll change. People move on and But the fundamentals are there. Uh, There's people that are embracing embracing that and will carry it forward. So, that in a long, rambly way is probably the two things that I'm most proud about when I look back over the last six and a half years.
1: Yeah, thanks very much. You know, I'm a technology geek, and I'm going to circle back one more time at least to the projects, and I'm going to ask you on air to name some of your favorite children. Since you started in 2015, you've guided about $600 million in investments to more than 125 projects. Those are truly impressive numbers. Can you name or talk about some of the projects that stand out to you? Are there any that you tell your friends or your family or your neighbors about, sharing only non-confidential information, of course? Of course, that's always discreet.
0: Let me think now. Um, given my passion around um, libations, uh, Blind Man <laughs> Brewing <laughs> and its uh, carbon capture and utilization project is, is a lot of fun. And, and uh, I giggle about that one, but it's it makes it practical for people to understand carbon capture and utilization. It's a simple model. Most people understand beer. They understand it's carbonated. And, and so it's a really good example of of what we do uh, in a in a scale, in in a in a way that the average person can really understand. You know, when I joined ERA, there was a, a grand challenge around carbon capture that was underway, and that was probably my first introduction to sort of the thoughtfulness of ERA. That you know, this is an area where we need to advance some technology, and rather than sort of look for that later stage that we would actually shepherd along some projects from, you know, earlier stage uh, technology readiness level, all the way up to actually the construction of a facility that delivers the final outcomes. There was some really cool projects in there because they also taught me that you need to be open-minded about where the solution space may lie. You know, carbon capture, I often thought about it, you know, power companies or other point sources like this but some of the most exciting projects there were around sequestering carbon in uh, concrete and cement and carbon cure was a project uh, that went sort of all the way it won the X prize it's uh, gone multinational in terms of its um, where its pilot plants are operating so to me that was a really cool cuz it sort of forced me to think outside the box and not come with assumptions about exactly What the application may look like in many ways. Um, You know, I really like the agriculture space. I think it's often forgotten that we, in Alberta, we're often um, consumed with sort of how do we get down the carbon footprint of oil and gas. But the agriculture space has huge potential in terms of um, applications. There's some really neat stuff we did around, you know, biofuels. Uh, There's some cool stuff around. Feed additives um, so that those projects are neat and the renewable space uh, you know the we've done a sort of that industrial scale solar and some wind projects uh, those are I'm proud of those because they make it real for people it's not sort of the theoretical you know how you're gonna um turn bitumen into uh, some other products or nanotubes or whatever. They're real, they're on the landscape and they demonstrate Alberta gets it and, and can actually deliver this sort of technologies and the business systems and integrate it into an, uh, an existing grid and, and actually deliver the results. So those have been very, very cool. You know, more recently, the, we just did a challenge around the circular economy. Uh, personally, I think that's, critical, because it's not so much that we're going to reduce emissions uh, will be the the, the entire solution. We, we need to reduce what we use. We just can't use the same volume of products and services we have in the past. And the circular economy sort of allows us to think that through. How do we actually design products and services that can be reused rather than uh, thrown away? So I'm really excited about that. And again, I think Alberta has incredible potential. Hydrogen, everyone's talking about hydrogen. The whole world sees that as a key pillar in the solution space going forward. And again, ERA has led the the world in that space. Um, uh, again, something very practical is the CP Rail uh, hydrogen uh, locomotive project. Uh, you know, I think that's very cool because people get that. Lots of talk about electric cars and electric trucks and all this stuff, but this is real. This is a a key transportation system that has applications around the world, and we're actually de-risking the use of hydrogen. And uh, all these projects, we look not just at the supply side, but also the demand side, and this is a perfect example. We're going to create the demand for a hydrogen economy, and and that'll uh, focus us on, okay, how do you... Uh, be successful on the supply side where Alberta has some real competitive advantages. So those are just a few proof points. And I could go on, but uh, I think this is only a 30-minute conversation.
1: (laughs) Well, at the risk of inflating your ego, you should be darn proud of your legacy. There's no shortage of uh, great opportunities that you've had the opportunity to guide. Now, let me ask you a slightly different question, so putting aside the accomplishments and the legacy, what are you going to remember the most about your time at ERA?
0: Yeah, what would I remember most about it? You know, making a difference. You know, again, I've been very blessed in my career to be often in the right place at the right time and you know, six and a half years ago, the sustainable, sustainability space was um, active but not Seen as sort of mainstream, I would argue, and uh, what what happened over the six and a half years is that sense of urgency and impact um, has grown sort of arithmetically and um, be, being able to say not only did have we been part of the success and part of the uh, creating that pathway to going forward, um, we were a uh, early adopter in the space. And because of our work, it made it more possible to get to where we are today and to believe that the future everyone's talking about is actually achievable. So that, you know, that's what I'll look back at that. uh, It's not too often where you can actually point to being part of a solution to a, a world scale problem and not just on the fringe, but in a fundamental way. And, uh, you know, that'll be my fondest memory. And then the, the people and the relationships that you build over those six and a half years are are ones that'll um, continue, you know, throughout your life. So I'm looking forward to meeting and sitting down with people and keeping my eye on how progress is uh, being made and seeing if there's places I can help.
1: Well, the audience can't see us in the studio, but I'm glad to see you've pulled out your crystal ball. Or maybe magic eight ball if you look into it what do you see what does the future hold for technology and innovation you know the the world needs invention and innovation
0: uh to thrive and be successful going forward Um, there's so many challenges that we're confronting and in the last several years the magnitude of those challenges has become more and more apparent so you know, I think technology is the key to unlocking a successful future for humanity. And I know that sounds corny, but that's the the reality, is that the problems are so complex, so integrated, that we're going to need innovation and, and technology to help us na- navigate that and come up with the solutions that are going to allow us to adapt to all the challenges that are being thrown at us. You know, the, the speed, the the scope and the scale of innovation required are um, intimidating, um, humbling, um, scary in a lot of ways. But I I believe, you know, it's that's part of the success uh, or part of what the success we need will be through innovation. I do worry that people think there's going to be a technology solution to all our problems—they don't understand. No, no, it's really about changing your lifestyle expectations, maybe even impacting your standard of living. So there's got to be that balance. Um, the, the, you know, the types of technologies going forward are—you know—it's hard to predict. You know, the I think the iPhone first iPhone went on sale 15 years ago, and you look at how it fundamentally changed so much about our lives. It's hard to imagine what's going to happen next in the technology space. But I think, you know, artificial intelligence, machine learning, you know, how can we improve our productivity through data analysis has enormous potential. I think in the short term, carbon capture and storage is huge for Alberta and the the world in terms of allowing our large industrial processes to transfer, uh, to transition to a lower carbon of, uh, future. Uh, I, like many in this province and around the world, see hydrogen as a energy carrier uh, of the future and uh, a space where Alberta has strong economic and um, people competitive advantages that we need to explore. Uh, I think storage, energy storage is a, Um, Another key that needs to be found so we can unlock renewables in a way that's meaningful and continue to have uh, access to reliable, affordable, and sustainable energy sources. Um, In the agriculture space, when you look at the growing population, technology is going to be critical. How do we feed the masses without, we can't create new land. So... How do we maximize the productivity of our agricultural sector, our forestry sectors? And I think there's some real great opportunity in those spaces. And
1: so I'll stop there. Given that mix of challenges and opportunities and the change that'll be needed and the fine balance that we ultimately need to strike, where do you think Alberta as a province, we need to focus our provincial efforts?
0: Yeah, to me, and it's, in a way, my time as the CEO of ERA, it's about being strategic. Alberta doesn't have a sort of compelling vision on where they want to be on the sustainability file. You know, some early pieces are put in place. I think uh, efforts around ESG, the creation of the ESG Secretariat, demonstrate we recognize that we've got to have measures of success, but we need a compelling vision that um, can align our efforts and allow us to make the choices we have to make. Because there's so many opportunities and it's easy to be distracted by the shiny object if you don't have that clear destination and a roadmap to get there. Um, We need to focus on where we compete on the entire value chain from the supply to the demand side. I do worry that, you know, Alberta has a, a a bit of a we can do it all attitude and, and, and that's not realistic uh, given our size, our ge- geology, our geography, we have to choose where on those value chains we can really have a competitive advantage and make a difference in terms of Uh, the supply side for new energy sources or on the demand side in terms of the manufacturing uh, and use of uh, new energy sources. So I think that's important. We got to be clear on choices and then go big. The the other thing I worry is that we sprinkle a little money here, a little money there, and we're not putting in the effort and the the level of financial um, and people commitment we need to be successful. Because Alberta – really does have a gap between its reputation and reality um, perceptions out there you know the Canada West Foundation recently put out a a paper on that and and you need to close that gap by taking action and delivering results it can't it's not about branding or um, a communication strategy it's action and then communicating and I think that's what Alberta really needs to focus on because we do have to enhance our reputation and become the preferred supplier of the energy and agriculture and manufactured goods uh, of the future. And uh, so I think if Alberta can find that compelling narrative and, um, sell it to Albertans as one that they can align with it it just sets that foundation to allow us to move forward and the last thing I'd say is we also got to be careful back to my point about shiny objects that we understand the difference between innovation and invention lots of conversation about what's the next greatest great thing and yeah I think there's some opportunities there and Alberta has some winners and unicorns in that space but Innovation is really about how do you take what exists and apply it in new ways to be successful. And uh, I think that balance and our understanding that we need to look at both sides, and on the innovation side, how do you actually scale up and deploy um, technology we understand, but we we just, the economics aren't right or the the de risking hasn't been completed. We we need to also make sure we got the right balance on that and and aren't chasing sort of the, the, the next great great thing when we really don't have a a competitive advantage in that space. So that's my sort of view of the future. But it really does start with that compelling vision. And um, I think there's a bit of a gap there for Alberta. We've got pieces like independent strategies, but how do they all hang together? And what's that cold rack that uh, we can throw things on and allow us to make informed choices and uh, place some
1: bets and then get on with it. Speaking of winners and unicorns, I know you've been asked this a lot since you announced you were leaving, by others and by me. But let me ask you one more time: What's next for the great Steve McDonald? Um.
0: Yeah, you know, on a personal level, you know, with uh, grandchildren and family, they they can occupy a huge chunk of my time, and uh, that is. Uh, the piece of our world that gives me the the greatest joy is family. So more time on that. Uh, Professionally though, I'm not one to sort of spend my day golfing uh, seven days a week um, or in the garden. And as I talk to people, I say, I want to continue to do important things. And I don't know what that'll look like Um, on this file. It gets in your blood and it's so important to move forward. And we've, Advance so many things close to sort of success and um, ensuring that they're deployed that i, I want to stick around and help push some things across the finish line i don't know what that'll look like uh, I'm, I'm not going to take on another full-time job um, but it'll be pieces of work that allow me to make sure that the things era has started and put in place the things uh, alberta industries have put in place or the government of canada's put in place If there's a way I can help uh, push them across the finish line, I'm sure looking forward to those opportunities. I'm on a few boards, uh, Canada West Foundation, The Natural Step. Uh, That'll allow me to continue to sort of play in the policy and uh, the the public narratives around sustainability and other important issues. Um, But I I still want to get my hands dirty and do a few bits and pieces on, on the actual heavy lifting of Um, getting the solutions in place and ensuring that Alberta is successful uh, economically, socially, and environmentally in the years ahead. Uh, Back to my grandkids, you want to make sure that uh, they've got a strong future in Alberta and in Canada. And uh, as a lifetime civil servant, that's ingrained in my DNA, so I'm going to have to continue to do something to feed that itch.
1: Well, I think we all look forward to seeing what that is. Any parting words before we close up here?
0: You know, the, the it's been a great run. Uh, Era is an incredible organization. Um, for anyone listening to this podcast, what I would say is um, make sure that this model continues. You need dedicated, smart people that are well resourced, driving the solutions that Alberta burden the world's needs. Um, so don't don't mess with that. and uh, Make sure it continues. Um, we we need to in, to ensure that we don't fall into the trap of um, asking people to accept who we are and where we want to go based on what we've done in the past. I like to describe it's a little like a marathon runner who stops and points backwards and says, you know, I'm going to win this race because look how far i've come and how fast i've uh, gotten here people don't care about that they want to know what are you doing next in terms of moving forward and what's your final destination look like and then to start running those last miles and that's what alberta has to make sure they do Um, and you know I, i hope that people saw me model the way about partnerships that um entering a conversation focused on what's possible rather than what's broken and who's to fix it you know that that model sort of invites blaming and uh, defensiveness but if you focus on possibilities and work with partners uh, you can get amazing things done and Alberta has an incredible innovation system with uh, like-minded people that want to Uh, make that difference and we just need to uh, nurture that and encourage it. So that would be my best advice going forward is to make sure those things continue to happen.
1: I just want to say it has been an honor and a pleasure to work with you. You have no idea the impact you've had on the organization and on us, your friends at ERA. So on behalf of the entire team at ERA, we will truly miss you. Thank you, Steve.
0: And thank you, Mark, for those kind words. It's been uh, very much, uh, as the the old saying goes, I've stood on the shoulders of giants, and uh, I've been very fortunate in my career. And it's a great way to end uh, doing amazing work with amazing people. So, uh, again, whoever's listening to this, thank you all for all you've done to allow me to be successful.
1: Thank you.